0: Well, good morning, everyone. That was so bad. Let's try one more time. I know it's cold out, but we can warm up a little bit. Good morning, everyone. All right. Hey, thanks again for all your help with the walkthrough. I know so many of you volunteered. Uh, We had close to 2,000 people come through that over the last two weekends. And uh, so many people who... Yeah, so many people who volunteered uh, putting on, uh, uh, watching animals and running lights and sound and any number of different things, actors and angels who are up in the sky when it's like 30-something degrees out for an hour and a half, two hours at a time, and we are so grateful for you, and and I hope you know that that isn't just for fun, right? That's a ministry to our community, and... um, and we couldn't do it without all of you who are volunteering. So, all right, as we get into the message today, I wanna tell you about a study I read about recently. Um, A few researchers at UCSD produced a study showing that people and their dogs often look alike. Uh, How many of you are dog owners? Let's just kinda, show of hands, Um, how many of you would say you think you might look a little bit like your dog? Yeah, very few. Okay, one person up there. (laughs) Very few of us. But here's what they did. They created a panel of students, and they asked those students to be judges. And then they put 25 purebred dogs in front of this panel. And then they put 25 owners in front of the panel. And they asked them to match the two to each other. And the students were able to match 16 out of 25. That's actually pretty astounding. And the researchers concluded that owners tend to choose a pet that bears their resemblance in some sort of way. All right, I wanna do the same kind of thing with you this morning. I'm gonna put a picture up of a dog and then two possible owners, and I want you to see how you do picking the right one, okay? So here is the first one. Here's the first dog. You got a good look at that dog. And here are two possible owners which do you think is the right one? Just kind of decide that in your head. All right. Now, how many of you, before we, before we show the answer, how many of you think it's the person on the left? And how many of you think it's the person on the right? Okay, let's see how you did. Man, this guy looks like his dog. It is uncanny, right? All right, how about the next one? A basset hound. Basset hounds are so floppy looking to me. I love them. All right. And let's see the possible owners, which is the right one. Oh, it seems like you already know. All right. Let's see how you did again. I feel like this guy chose to go out looking like a basset hound with what he wore that day. Okay. And one more. Uh, This is a Boykin spaniel. Notice the feathering on the ears. Two possible owners. And if you guess the one on the right, you are correct. (laughs) All right. Good job. I think you would have done just as well as the UCSD students, maybe better. Well, here's the other thing that these researchers found. And this is a little bit harder for for us to capture in still pictures. It wasn't just physical characteristics that resembled the owner, but it was personality traits as well. Um, Happy, outgoing, and affectionate dogs tend to be owned by warm and friendly people, Um, hairless, Pug-nosed, sour-mugged dogs are owned by people who kind of might have a little bit of that in them themselves. Well, I I read all of this, and I thought about how so far in the series, we have looked at at three different people in the Bible and the personalities that go with those people. And, And so this week, I decided to try to find dogs that match what we've talked about so far. So last week, we looked at the disciple John, and we looked at the accurate personality. Uh, how many of you would say you might have fit that accurate personality that we talked about in the last couple of weeks? All right, I know you're not going to raise your hands. It's okay. Uh, I won't make you raise them on the next two then either, but I, I know from my own small group that there's at least three in, out, of, out of, what, nine of us in our group? So, um, okay. Okay. I wondered if the dog that might go with this really well-behaved personality, you know, the one who cares about processes and, and procedures and, and making sure people follow the rules, I wonder if it is a show dog like this poodle. <laughs> like, you got to be very stable to keep yourself that clean looking, right, and, uh, and together. Now, the week before that, We looked at the driven people like the Apostle Paul. I I admitted that I am a driven person and how uh, people who are the driven ones can be kind of controlling and uh, we can kind of you know, fight to make sure things go our way. And I wondered if the dog that might go with the driven's is this, a Rottweiler. Although maybe not so mean. Sometimes Rottweilers can look like this. Let's hope that, that your driven ones look more like this. And then the previous week, Jody spoke about Barnabas in the Bible, uh, the encouraging personalities and and the comforters, the ones who are so supporting. And and they're the ones you want around when you're going through a difficult time because they're loyal and they stand by your side. And I don't know about you, but I think the perfect dog to describe them is this. We got one of these in our neighborhood and every time I see him out walking, I think that is why God created dogs. Just fluffiness 24/7. All right, well, today we're going to look at one more person in the Bible, someone that I think matches a personality that, that, that at least uh, you probably know a few of these people in your life, and, and this is a great personality. They are so much fun to be around but they can also be a little bit overwhelming. And before I tell you the person in the Bible or the personality, let me show you the dog that typifies who we're talking about. I think the person we're gonna talk about today matches a dog like this. Or like this. Or probably more accurately this right here, okay? Today, as we look at Peter in the Bible, we're going to talk about how to get along with the person who is energetic and bubbly, who you have a hard time keeping up with, the person today that we're going to call the inspiring one. And, And rather than me just explaining to you who this person is, we thought maybe it's best to show you this person in a drama. Watch this.
1: be here soon. The whole family. I'm hosting the first annual Schlemburg Family Christmas. Yay! Okay, over the next few hours, this house is going to be so much more than a house. It's going to be ground zero for Schlemburg Christmas. Yay! Okay, first we're doing a white elephant gift exchange. Then Aunt Mary's husband, Don is cooking a roast. And then we're going to eat Christmas cookies from around the world. It's going to be a hoot. God knows we need it after a year like this. Mom lost the shop this year. The shop that had been in our family forever. But after Pop passed, it just kind of became too much for one person to handle. But she tried. Boy, did she try. But then with the pandemic and Pop being gone and then her best friend Linda passed, I mean, that was unexpected. Those two were partners in crime, boy, let me tell you. So, Mom took it kind of hard. I mean, we all did, it was just sort of a rough year. That's why I made her this sweater, Christmas cheer squad. I thought I would cheer her up. That's my role in the family, you know. When you're down, I cheer you up. Although I'm not sure I've ever had this many people to cheer up all at once before, but you know us Schlankbergs, we are tough. We're go-getters, but we're also a little tired <laughs> and cranky. Last year, I'm not even sure you could call it a party, what we did, okay? Half of us were on Zoom. Tom and Luanne couldn't even get their camera to work right. And Dale was just being Dale. He was just arguing with everyone. I think at some point, someone started an alternate meeting where they were all taking jello shots. <laughs> Can you imagine? That's why we're doing this. We need Christmas. A real Christmas. Oh, I also made all these hats for everyone to wear. You know, Dale says he hates things like this, but I secretly think he likes it. I mean, who could resist a Christmas fedora? I think it just needs to be less serious. I mean, I know his kids aren't doing all that great, and we have all seen Karen's Facebook updates lately. These hats will be just the thing. Okay, um, so this all looks good, but do we need more? I think we need more. Oh, my gosh, we need more. The karaoke machine. Yeah, that'll make Schlankberg family Christmas a real party. I think it's been enough years since Tom did the Snoop Dogg song and everyone got bent out of shape. <laughs> yeah, we need karaoke. Maybe Mom and me can even do the Grease duet. Okay, but Grease isn't really that Christmassy. Okay, think, Angie, think. Um, uh, Christmas carol sing along no okay um gingerbread houses no no okay um a a christmas drawing contest where the prize is an ornament no no no. okay maybe we decorate ornaments oh oh boy this has got to be the best Schleichberg family christmas ever it's all on me (gasps) they're here schlenkberg family christmas is a go i'm gonna cheer these
0: she ask who can say no to Christmas fedoras I I can say no to Christmas fedoras I'll just tell you well well, well, you saw in that drama a a person we're looking at today the kind of person who seems to have endless energy to be planning and creating and at Christmas they're gonna be the one to make sure there's always something for everyone to do Uh, the rest of us might get tired watching them do what it is that they do but the purpose underneath all of it as you saw in that scene is to bring cheer. Now, today's gonna be a different kind of day. If, you, if you've been following along in this series, you know that pretty much every week uh, we get up here and we look at a person in the Bible and we immediately point out why they can be hard to get along with. And then I proceed to tell you why they're valuable anyway, why we should value having them in our lives even though sometimes they're so difficult. But here's the thing, the person we're gonna look at today is so easy to get along with. They are the life of the party, generally speaking, everybody likes them. It's not till you get to know them quite a bit and you're around them that you might struggle to get along. It's almost as if their good qualities are the very things that turn into, uh, we'll just say challenges. And so the reason I say today is gonna be different is rather than starting with the conflict that you might feel when you're around this type of person and then saying to you, but hey, here's why they're valuable. As we see Peter, we're actually gonna start by looking at why he's valuable and then we're gonna get into some of those challenges. And then we're gonna look at some valuable things again and then some more challenges. Okay, once more, the reason is because generally these people seem very easy to get along with. Now, the other thing that's different about today, if you are this type of person that we look at today, uh, you wouldn't say you're the driven one or the accurate one or the comforting one. If you are an inspiring one, you have been looking forward to today with great gusto. We are finally gonna talk about you. And in my experience, inspiring ones love being talked about. That is so exciting for them when it's positive. But this is a series on the art of getting along. And that means we have to talk about the part of you that is hard to get along with. And I don't want you to think today that we're picking on you or that I'm telling you to be better or be different. It's just that you're so likable. I have to explain why likable people get into conflict. All right. While most people don't need help getting along with you right away. They might need help getting along with you down the line. And I'm going to try to show how the Bible speaks to that. So let's look at Peter the first snapshot i want to show you of peter is in matthew 14. peter and the other disciples are out on a boat on the sea of galilee and uh, they are sailing to the other side but jesus is not with them and they're a considerable distance from shore and it says in verse 25 take a look on the screens shortly before dawn jesus went out to them walking on the lake and when the disciples saw him walking on the lake They were terrified. It's a ghost, they said, and they cried out in fear. But Jesus immediately said to them, take courage. It is I. Don't be afraid. Jesus walks out to them on water and they freak out. They think that they've seen a ghost. Jesus says, no, it's me. Verse 28, Lord, if it's you, Peter replied, tell me to come to you on the water and let's stop right there. Jesus tells everyone, it's me, don't be afraid. I'm just coming out to catch up to you guys. Didn't want you to have to turn around to come back and get me. As far as we know, that is the only plan. But Peter sees this and he thinks, great idea. Let's all go walk on the water. (laughs) And right there, that moment tells you all the things you need to know. Actually, at least one of the valuable things we need to know about the inspiring one. They long to create fun for everyone. Peter has never been known to pass up a good time. And what could be more fun than walking on the water? And one thing that we should celebrate about people like Peter is that if it's fun and exciting, they are likely to say yes. Now, usually what comes with this, they have great senses of humor. They laugh and they smile and they want the world to laugh and smile alongside them. They're usually optimistic. They, they see the glasses half full and they, they tend to view life to see it as the fullest usually. They're very social people, Uh, they're gonna be the first ones to come shake your hand and hug you and clap you on the back and start up a conversation. They tend to be extroverts. Often, they're good communicators. They can get things across in ways that other people can't. They they make good motivational speakers, uh, good salespeople. Again, they're very easy to get along with. And part of why that is, they are just as concerned about you having a good time as they are themselves. Let me show you another valuable thing about Peter that we see right here in this passage we're at and, and, and we see in people who are like him. Take a look at verse 29. Peter says, I wanna join you. And so Jesus says, come. And then Peter got down out of the boat and he walked on the water and came toward Jesus. And just like that, Peter is walking. No life jacket, no tow rope, no boom off the boat to hang on to. no practice sessions. One minute he sees Jesus, the next minute he's doing it himself. And that is something else really great about the inspiring ones. They are spontaneous. Um, If the driven one like me wants a plan, and the accurate one wants to check the instruction manual first, and the comforting one is there to help you when the plan and the manual uh, still goes wrong, the inspiring one is going to just jump in. And we need people like that in our lives, don't we? Who maybe push us to just let loose and and have fun and and maybe not think through everything so deeply to inspire us as the name suggests to try new things that we wouldn't otherwise try in our safe well-thought-out comfort zone everybody else in that boat is freaking out about the ghost that they think that they see walking on the water peter is the one who says i'm gonna go join him hold my beer which is actually where these valuable traits can, can actually start to present a little bit of a challenge. You ready? Peter gets out of the boat and he's walking on the water and everything is going so well. But verse 30 says, however, when Peter saw the wind, he was afraid and beginning to sink, he cried out, Lord, save me. In verse 30, we see that Peter who is fun and spontaneous and the life of the party gets distracted all right let's talk about that the wind was not new a few verses earlier it tells us it was a very very windy day out at sea sure you could say that peter was distracted by the wind what he's really distracted by his own thoughts and here's where this can kind of create a struggle everybody gets along with an inspiring one until you rely on them for something that they seem excited about and they have lost their focus until the distraction leads to a lack of follow through. Sometimes this person forgets the task in front of them or they find themselves pulled in an entirely different direction. Um, When Andrea and I first got married, I learned something about this personality type pretty quick. They don't always mind not finishing things or not finishing them in an orderly way. By the way, did I mention yet that my wife is one of these glorious people? So, like, we will be Christmas decorating, and we will put up the Christmas tree in our living room, but no lights on it yet, and then it will sit for a few days while Andrea focuses on other things for us to do, wreaths and Christmas cookies, who knows what, and then a few days later, we'll do the lights, and I will think, okay, the ornaments are right here in the same storage bin, let's start putting those on, and Andrea will notice something else in the bin. She will notice Christmas artwork that our kids made in the fourth grade. And she will spend an hour having fun walking through the artwork and the letters to Santa that they wrote. And then, and then she'll find something else and then something else. And maybe two days later, we'll put the ornaments on the tree. And I wish that I could just tell you it's Christmas trees only, but, but we have a fair amount of half finished projects in our lives <laughs> because I am married to an inspiring one who is gonna finish it, but she's got something else to do right now. And while that is perfectly fine at home, That might not be so fine when you work with someone who you are relying on to get their things done. It might not be fine when everybody else knows the task that you're after requires a laser-like focus and they have never seen the inspiring one bring a laser like anything. And sometimes you get frustrated, like you can't get along with them if they're constantly doing that. But here is the deal. The thing in them that causes them to lose focus is the thing that makes them want to walk on water to entertain you. And part of you getting along with them is holding this list of valuable things about them in your mind when you find yourself frustrated with the part of them that gets distracted because it's the same part. Now, let's keep going. We're gonna see another challenging thing in Peter, but trust me, inspiring ones, it's gonna be okay when we see this next challenging thing. And again, I'm gonna give you the good with the bad, all right? There's this other time where, where Peter is with Jesus, James, and John. They're up on this mountain, and it's this moment that we call the transfiguration. And we, and we call it that because all of a sudden, right in front of Peter and the other two, Jesus starts glowing. His face becomes as bright as the sun, his clothes turn white. And then right there, Moses and Elijah from like hundreds of years earlier appear and they start talking with Jesus, like the Moses and the Elijah, heroes of their faith. And so Peter interrupts them and he says to Jesus, Lord, it is good for us to be here. If you wish, I'll stop everything I'm doing. I'll put up three shelters, one for you and one for Moses and one for Elijah. Like, Jesus and these guys are in the middle of a moment, and Peter can only think of how great this is, and he's thinking, how can I make it even better? And it's just another picture of Peter's spontaneity. Now, Jesus does not seem to go for this suggestion, but I like to think that the fact they put this in the Bible at all, it is just there to point out what kind of person Peter is. He is excitable. So, let's add excitable to the things that we should value. He's excitable, but with excitable comes something that can be a problem, right? Jesus is in the Garden of Gethsemane, and Judas comes in and he kisses him to identify to the men who are coming to arrest him which person is Jesus, and Peter draws his sword and strikes one of the men, cutting off his ear, to which Jesus says, put your sword away. And here we see the downside of being spontaneous and being excitable, it's being impulsive the inspiring one has this uncanny ability to not always think through all the implications before they say yes to the fun and the excitement. In fact, sometimes the inspiring one cannot say no. There are so many good ideas out there and so many good things to be a part of and so many things to say yes to. And sometimes they struggle to say no, which means they commit to things that they can't really complete and then, they let people down who were counting on them. And maybe you have found yourself on the receiving end of that impulsivity and their choices haven't always worked out. And uh, I'm a planner, so, so I get how frustrating this can be. And, and, and I am not excusing that impulsivity that, that leads to some bad decisions, but we can say that, that part of where you might be able to find yourself forgiving that in the inspiring ones, that impulsivity, It is the same thing in them that makes them spontaneous and excitable and makes them say yes to you and your ideas. Now, can we talk about what's underneath this personality, what what tends to drive them? and, And this is important in understanding how to get along with them. Usually what's underneath it all is a need for approval and attention. Again, let's go back to Peter for a second. There's this moment we read about in the the book of Luke where where Jesus first meets Peter, and and he has kind of commandeered Peter's boat to teach from while the crowd is on the shore. So Jesus is up on this boat, and he finishes speaking, and he says to Peter, hey, go put out into deep water and lower your nets for a catch. And Peter says, no, you don't understand. We've been fishing all night, and we caught nothing. But if you say so, Jesus, I will. And they do it, and they catch so many fish, their boats start sinking a bit. They have to call in other boats to come help them with all these fish so that they don't sink. They bring it all back. Well, Luke 5, 8 tells us, when Simon Peter saw this, he fell at Jesus' knees, and he said, go away from me, Lord. I am a sinful man. All right, you or I might go, oh my gosh, all these fish, this is incredible. We're gonna make so much money. But Peter somewhere in him is the thought i am in the presence of someone who means a lot to me i'm in the presence of greatness and i am not enough now understanding that jesus is god understanding we are sinners this moment of peter's is entirely appropriate and it fits our theology right but he didn't know that jesus was god yet and and this is indicative of how peter feels in a lot of situations like he needs to seek approval from others. After Jesus is arrested, people start recognizing Peter is one of the disciples, and and he's worried that they're gonna reject him because they know who he is, and and so because he cares about what other people think so much, he denies Jesus three times, even after Jesus told him, I think you're gonna do this, and Peter said, no way will I ever do that. Um, If you're in a relationship with someone like this, at their best, in their most secure place in life, they are warm and they're fun and they're outgoing and exciting. And yeah, maybe they get distracted, but, but it's all good. Yeah, maybe they lose focus. You can hang with it. But if they are operating out of fear, they tend to be show-offs and they tend to interrupt and they, they feel such a need to make sure that everybody knows that they're valuable. So what does that tell us about how to get along with them? First thing, give them plenty of attention. Here's the deal. The inspiring one is going to seek attention. So if you don't give it to them, they will go find somebody else who will. They have got to have it. Now, that is not a character flaw. It can turn into a flaw when they seek it in harmful ways, but but one way that you can help them not go harmful is to give them attention. Um, When when I look at the people in my life who fit this type, and I'm not just talking about my wife, And i give them a stage by that i mean when i'm sitting with them i just let them talk and i listen it seems to me they are incredibly fulfilled and it secures this part of them that that needs to feel like other people want them around all right the second thing give them reassurance if this person in their fear might start to get impulsive And they might start to make bad decisions. And they go overboard in their quest for affirmation. What is the fastest way to calm that fear? It's for you to reassure them. I'm here. I'm in this relationship with you. I am committed to you. I'm not going anywhere. I want you around. I enjoy you. Sometimes I'll be in a working relationship with somebody like this, uh, especially in in my position where I feel like maybe uh, they might be overdoing it to get my approval, which is crazy because who am I to approve of anybody? Uh, But I guess it comes with my position sometimes and I will see them just being like on 10 all the time. And I've occasionally had to pull a person like that aside and and I've learned to say uh, not uh, dial it down. What's wrong with you? (laughs) But instead to just say, hey, um, you've already got the job. You know, you don't have to prove anything to me right now. We're we're happy you're here. And I've noticed that that reassurance often allows people to just chill a little bit. Okay, third one, give them opportunities to socialize. Um, If you are married to an inspiring one and they love people, they love being around people and you don't, um, you are doing a great disservice to this person if you make them live in your style. You don't have to be a social butterfly, but you cannot restrain them or they will be miserable. Uh, If you are married or partnered with somebody who's an inspiring one, um, have you had it happen like I have, (laughs) where you will be at a party, let's say it's a Christmas party somewhere, and you will both look at each other and you will say, oh, it's time for us to go and you'll agree. And so you will wrap up your conversation with whomever and your inspiring one will need to say goodbye to 10 people on the way out the door and you stand awkwardly to the side because you've already said goodbye to everyone and it went really quick and now you have nothing left to do but look weird while you're waiting for Andrea. <laughs> I have just learned she is far more social than me and I have got to give her the room to be that and, and now when she says it's time to go, I just say, okay, let me know when you're walking to the car and I will meet you there because my goodbyes take 30 seconds. See ya, see ya, see ya. Yours take 30 minutes. They're social. Let them socialize. Now, um, one more, last one. Since this person really needs approval, do not hold their past choices over their heads for too long. Now, I'm not wild about the way that I worded that. Uh, ho- hopefully, as followers of Jesus, we're not holding anything over each other's heads, right? There's forgiveness and reconciliation in our relationships. So to put on that phrase there, uh, for too long, um, to put that on the end, it makes it sound like it's okay to, to hold a grudge for a little while. All right, here's the deal. We wrong each other. We all do it. And sometimes it takes a little time to get over it. But, but what happens with an inspiring one who needs your approval if they feel like even after you have supposedly forgiven them that you still hold their impulsiveness or their lack of follow-through or whatever it is, if you still hold it against them, you will be feeding their greatest fear. And you're going to be starting a cycle in them that is likely the thing that you find difficult to get along with in the first place. Um, If they feel like they are in the doghouse with you all the time, Well, this is where getting along with an inspiring one gets hard. All right, this Christmas, this New Year's, this Super Bowl Sunday, for crying out loud, this afternoon, you will be around somebody different than you. It is a wonderful thing. For those of us who are shy, he has made those who are not. For those who are planned out, God has made those who are spontaneous. For those who are a little bit hard-edged, He's made those who are comforting isn't it good to see how god didn't make us all alike here's what i promise you about each one of these types each person you run across this holiday season everyone wants to be loved and valued every single one wants to know that as different as they are from you you are glad that they are who they are for as difficult as they might be you see a silver lining so would you remember that everyone wants to be valued as you think about how to get along? All right, stand with me. Let's pray together before we go. God, we have said it every week. I am so grateful. We are grateful that you have made us all unique different, that we all have our strengths, that we all have our challenges. God, we ask that you work in every single one of our lives, in our relationships, in our families, in our workplaces. God, would you show us how to value these differences in each other? God, would you show us how to, to express love to one another, not just in our words, but in the way we treat each other in our differences? And God, as we do it, Might people know that we are your people. We belong to you because of the way we show love. And all God's people said, amen. Amen. Thanks for coming. Hope to see you at Christmas Eve. Otherwise, we'll see you next Sunday.